Hey, patrons, welcome to your bonus podcast. Uh, Caroline Weinroth is here with me again from Cinema Hearts. Hello again. Hello. Uh, thanks for joining me for this special um, moment, this, this special intimate moment among patrons. Absolutely. <laughs> so we, j- you joked between our uh, two interviews that, oh, we could actually talk about the music on this one, um, which would be fun because <laughs> our conversation was great. Like I loved it, but... Um, me too. What, like... There are so many things I I often worry that I get too geeky because like um, point of reference, I just started taking a a class online um, Mm -hmm. in modular synthesis. So I'm really super like plugged into like like, synthesizers. Yeah. yeah, So it's all, there's been a lot of talk about uh, harmonics and fundamentals and frequencies and that kind of thing so we could get super geek because you're an engineer you worked as an engineer for a long time as we talked about yeah i worked in live sound for six years and i did it at different music venues around washington dc um that was a lot of work (laughs) and uh it's so working in the audio industry itself is a very strenuous job you know there's late hours there's heavy equipment Sometimes you're working in like the heat, you're working in rain, you're working in less than ideal conditions. It's also a customer service job. So mm. it's very... Um, and those are things that like I was really fascinated by. Like I loved the fast pace of it all. But uh, like less than or 2% of the industry is women. So that got really tiring after a while to have to constantly um, advocate for myself in the workspace. So... Loved it, but I took what I needed from it. And now I get to teach other people how to do it. And that's been (laughs) much more fulfilling. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just thinking back to like, I'm a self-taught home recording Mm -hmm. person. Okay. But I also, well, before the pandemic, I volunteered at my uh, super awesome West Village church mm-hmm. every time i, I mentioned that i volunteered at church i'm like no it's not that no, kind of church I swear. no no no. but so <clears throat> many people get involved in audio either through like church sound or doing community theater yeah oh yeah but i noticed and as like a white male even then the minute there's like the slightest weird sound thing five six people in the congregation like whip their heads around and look at you uh, like yeah. you gotta like, fix no. this mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah so people going in, yeah. love to do that backseat but, mixing but then going into a, a situation as a woman <laughs> i'm sure people are already like oh what, how she you know like have their preconceived ideas about how right. you, how you can possibly be qualified to be doing what you're doing i mean was that was that an extra level of that from Oh yeah, because I got I got that from coworkers. I mean, I was mm. very fortunate that the majority of my supervisors and my mentors, like, they were great, and I learned so much from them. And they like gave me like such respect, and also were advocates for me and my work. But sometimes when you go to these gigs, like, you know, you just have a bunch of people who show up, and like my kind of joke was like, I would never aspire to just be a sound guy. I'm not going to be the guy at the back of the bar, just like flipping around faders and then, you know, not paying attention. It's like my biggest skill set was like, I could easily connect with the musicians and give them the show that they wanted and do it in such a professional way. Mm. But I was often working with a lot of like sound guys who would just like brute force their way into getting the show together. And 
wouldn't be like respectful to the artists at all. Because also one thing I loved about working sound um, is like you're there to just like, it's also an emotional aspect. Like you're there to support that artist and make sure they can do their best. You know? So like, that's why I always thought like if I had pursued it, I would love to be like a monitor mix engineer. Uh, oh, yeah. That's when you really get to work with the artist. So that was always really, really cool. Huh. Yeah. Oh, that would be, it's such a, it's an interesting world. I'm just imagining getting it from, you know, both sides, the the band, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you're really good at connecting with the bands and making sure they know that you're quote unquote on their side. Yeah. And also, cause I've, I've been in that situation as a performer where I've gotten really bad <laughs> engineers. Like even recently I played a show where, um, I think I just, I like offhandedly mentioned to the engineer, like, oh, hey, like I'm planning our set to be like about 30 minutes. And he said like, oh, I don't care. That's not my problem. And I was like, what? That absolutely is your problem. Like if you're behind the board, that's your problem. And that's how I knew like this guy was not going to help me at this show. Uh Like actually my mic, I use a a vocal effects pedal. And I think when I stepped on it, like my mic, my mic cable got loose and it came out. And so I'm playing a song. And all of a sudden, like, I can't hear my singing. And I thought it was my in-ear monitors at first. And then all I see is this... I mean, I'm going to call him the sound guy because that's honestly what he did. He wasn't an engineer. He wasn't an operator. Like, he was just being a guy. He just kept pointing at my mic. Like, and I was thinking to myself, like, why am I the one who has to fix it? I'm literally playing guitar. Like, you have the free hand. Come over and fix it. Wow. <laughs> so I had, I had to stop playing my bandmates are still going and I had to plug everything back in and figure it out on the fly in the middle of a song. So I could just keep going, <laughs> which wow. that should, and like, had I been the, the engineer behind the board? Like, you know, if there was a different musician that had that happened to, I, as soon as I figured out like, Oh, something wrong, I would be on it because that's not the artist's problem to figure that out and worry about it in the middle of a song. So I feel so strongly about that. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like just in my limited experience, as a running sounded like for church services, that would be my immediate thought would be like, Oh shit, they're playing. Maybe it's because I'm also a musician, but like, Oh, I, I got, I, I'm the one that has fixed this. (laughs) Right. Right. I thought that was so weird. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. And then, so so I fixed it. And I said to the audience, I have a degree in sound. And I just kept doing (laughs) it. That's the way to do it though. Right. Like just own the weird moment and keep going. Yeah. So doing the um the recording of the album, mm-hmm. w- do you record a lot of this stuff at home? Were you working in the studio? I know you were. This was my the- yeah. So this is my first professional studio album. Um, I do my demos at home, and I think if I could offer one piece of advice to any musician, it's like demo as much as possible for your recording sessions ahead of time. Like for me, I do so many vocal harmonies that like I have to arrange it ahead of time, or else I would be. <laughs> I would be wasting my money in the studio trying to figure out what oh, yeah. note I'm supposed to be singing next. Um, and then previously I had recorded with my brother at our university recording studio. Oh, cool. With your, like the vo- voice parts, this is getting mm-hmm. really nerdy. Like I'm just really Let's curious about it. this Let's process. It. Uh, it's not that nerdy. Do you write it down or do you just memorize the parts that you're going to be singing? Oh, actually this is what I do. So, um, I, I, well, I usually do voice parts, like usually like a third 
like, or not third, I'll do like, oh yeah, I'll do like a third, a fifth, and then sometimes an octave Mm -hmm. um, on whatever chords I'm playing. And what I do is I'll record all of those in a demo. And then I export every part as this individual track. So when I'm in the studio, (laughs) when I'm in the studio, I'll like tell whoever's engineering, like, hey, I'm going to listen to like, my first voice part for a second, I'll be like, okay. And then I'll put my earbuds in and I'll listen along to it and figure out what my notes are. And then I'll just sing the take into the mic. Mm -hmm. But, uh, on some, if it feels really, really hard, I have like a little piano and like, I have just banged out the note and sung along with it in some (laughs) of my tracks. And it doesn't pick up in the final version because some of them are just, I have a hard time keeping harmony sometimes. Yeah. And then being in the studio, it's a different feeling. <laughs> There's like, oh yeah, yeah. And, and it's like I'll, I usually have to tell whoever's engineering. Like, I like to break up each section. Like, if if a song has a lot of complicated parts, like um, I'm trying to think what on your ideal. Like, can I tell you I love you? Has some hard parts towards the end of it, so I had to break it up by like each. Like, okay, we need to go like this line first and then we need to do this chorus as opposed to like, I need, I can do the whole three minute song in one take. Mm. Oh, wow. That's, oh, I love hearing this stuff. I love going in the studio. Oh, <laughs> really me like, too. Yeah. I love it. It's so nice. And I think also because most studios are like no windows, you're underground. I'm like, I'm hidden from the world. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it feels especially as like an independent artist making that happen and going to do it really feels so like not to get too uh what's the word on woo woo airy fairy like i'm really <laughs> like caring for my inner artist by like okay here we no, go it's, like I think this that's, matters I think what that's we're doing. so true you're investing in yourself because like for so long i would cut corners and uh it would it would not pan out how i expected and actually, one of my producers, um, who I worked with on a different project that will come out in the future, um, he said, like, you know, you end up spending more money when you cut corners because you have to keep redoing things. Whereas, like, if you just do it right the first time, it pays off. And I was like, so true. Mm. Yeah, that's words of wisdom for... Um, it's, <laughs> I could tell you this because this my my boyfriend and I have, like, mm-hmm. alternate takes on this well like but just in the home stuff like he loves like oh this was so cheap and he buys a bunch of like crappy stuff (laughs) (laughs) and it always he always has to keep buying it again and again this is not this i'm like forcing this conversation into our conversation right now but it's kind of the same thing of like really invest in doing it yeah uh yeah and that's hard i mean that's hard for musicians like no no doubt but that's also why it took me like five years to make my first album because it was hard to to in to it invest in to, your art oh yeah like not only just like the financial aspect but also like to emotionally decide like oh yeah like i deserve to do this like it's not wasteful or shameful to like go out there and like do it do it all out yeah yeah, there's a there's a TikTok that's been mm-hmm. annoying me today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I kind of want to get your take on it. 
because yeah. it's an art related thing. And I feel like, well, let me just tell you what it is. And you tell me if uh, it's one of those, I love watching the t- TikToks where someone randomly asks people like, what's your, what do you do for a living? What's uh, your like salary? The, the on, like word on the street kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's one that I've been watching where the uh, same type of thing, but this time uh, the host was at a college and asking people what they were studying and what they hoped their salary would be when they graduated mm. at their first job. And there was one, one woman that answered and said, Oh, I haven't even thought about that. And she's an art student. Um, she hadn't even thought about what her salary might be. And then she like named this ridiculous $1,700 a month salary. And it was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I hope you make more than that. But, um, but if, I loved it. I was like, I love that there's someone here that is just being an artist and really embracing it and not thinking about like, oh no, am I going to make enough money? Um, but then in the comments, of course, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, she's so stupid. How is she going? She must be rich. You know, all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what, what did your take on this, if anything? You know, I think it's funny because like in my brain, like I can't think salaries because this is like my mom's financial teachings come out of me i want to be like are we talking about pre-taxes post-taxes are you talking (laughs) about like you know there's bigger there's bigger questions than just salary um but i think one thing i've kind of realized is like especially like because all all of my income is either from music or from teaching so it's Mm -hmm. all arts related and with the pandemic i also realized how like you could think you have job security you could think that you're going to get you're going to make a certain amount in a month and a year and that can not happen, you know? So I think, I guess it's just like for me with this question, it's sort of like, well, there's more to life. Like if, if this person had said like, do you think that you can afford your lifestyle with the major you chose? That would be a bigger question to me. Yeah. You know, like if you choose to be an artist, can you afford, I don't know, to go, get the certain car you want to go on the like a vacation every month kind of deal. Like probably not, but like at the same time, if you're like a business major, I meet so many like people. I remember meeting so many people who like studied business and were working as like DC consultants. And all they wanted to talk to me about was how they wish that they had the time to go play guitar with their band Mm. or something like that. So it's like, yeah, there's obviously more to life than your salary number. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that was the hard takeaway for me. And I think partly because when I graduated from high school, I was, I needed to study music, but I just was so scared. Like I didn't think I would Mm -hmm. make money as as supportive of my mother as my mother was. My dad, like, well, always there was this undercurrent of, well, you're not, you need to like choose something else. And that can be your, your hobby to do music. So it took me a long time to just finally be like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like no, I tried to study like all, all these different things. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't, I didn't care about those things. I wanted to do music. So by the time I got around to like in my mid twenties to like, Oh, maybe I should actually just do music. I felt like I'd wasted a lot of time and yeah, I don't know. So it, I feel like that sort of messaging from that. <laughs> the comment. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that, like whenever yeah. I was a theater major and it's like, I do so much now for, I think it's like the one thing I've kind of learned through being a theater major and also through being a musician is like, you can't wait for other people to give you an opportunity. And that's like the same kind of mindset that I'm sure people who do like startups and like traditional entrepreneurial things also believe. 
Whereas like, I think people who are very, very um, committed to the idea of like traditional salary, oh, you can only do this job when you have this degree and this space and there's no flexibility. Like there's no creativity, there's no imagination. And those are the people who aren't going to be like making big strides in the world, in their community, in their field. Yeah. It sounds very dark, but I do believe (laughs) (laughs) But like in a lot of ways, I feel like some of the things that I finally figured out can make me successful as like Mm -hmm. the artist type person that I am. Right. I didn't realize for a long time that they were good qualities that I had. You know what I mean? They felt like... Yes, yes. Yeah, problems. Because it's like they're not... Those aren't those aren't the I was gonna say like marketable sellable skills, but yeah, it's like, oh, like you have an understanding and compassion for humanity. And like yeah. the arts gives you and your brain an, a deeper understanding of the world. Well, how does that make me money? Like <laughs> what is <laughs> yeah. like I, but at the same time, it's like, well, that's what makes life worth living. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Woo. I love it. Okay, we gotta stop talking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm being dramatic. <laughs> um, thanks so much for joining me on both podcasts. Yeah, thank you so much, Michael. I'm like so happy we could just like we got the same thought process. Yeah, uh, I I love it. It was really I I kind of had a feeling going into this like oh this is gonna be a good one and it was so thanks. Oh, thank thanks you. For your time. Absolutely.